looking into the scripture to be guided by God's holy word. The epistle of John calls to us today. We've been considering the reflections and the life of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. And if ever there was a book in the Bible that was his favorite, over and over again, he returned to this epistle of 1 John as if it were a part of his very soul. And there's a passage that speaks to us this morning, if we allow it. Listen to these words from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him. And he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Within every person is the potential for love and hate. Those who allow their lives to be tuned to love bear an incredible ability to make God and Christ known 
in the world. Several years back, I read an article that had been planted in the Macon Telegraph. It was published on Christmas Day. It was one of those heartfelt stories that you get on special occasions like that. It was an article about a young man named Arthur Wold from Seattle. The story shared that there was a family that had this young boy who was severely mentally handicapped. In fact, they did not realize at first just how incapable of communicating he would be. But when he crossed the age of three years, he really didn't show any signs of development after that. The article was sharing the story at which time he was 29 years of age. And he went on to tell the story of how his mother had heard about this group of individuals in Australia had begun to experiment in their communication with those who were mentally disabled by the use of computer terminals. She was very interested because she didn't feel like that her son was hearing her when she talked to him nor could she make out anything that he was saying to her. Now, he was a friendly sort. They went to the Presbyterian church there in town. Oftentimes, he would get a little excited, and he would pop up out of the congregation and holler something, and she would grab him by the elbow and sit him down quietly. They would be going through a grocery store, And all of a sudden, he would just get so excited that he would take off running to the other side of the store. And she had to chase him down and say, let's stay together in this place. He wasn't a mean-spirited person in even his expressions to her or anyone around him. but, But there was a frustration in her heart, in Phoebe's heart, his mother that there was a lack of communication. When she saw the possibility, she got a computer and sat him down at it. It's called facilitated communication because his spastic arms were not able to stay in one place. And so she supported his hand like this over the keyboard. And... She just experimented. She said, she typed in the words, my name is. And as she was holding his hand there, he typed A-R-T. And she was blown away. She couldn't believe it. And immediately she began to ask him questions, tears streaming down her face. She began to ask him questions. Do you read? Do you understand? And and he responded by typing, not so well. (laughs) She said, how did you learn? And he typed, 
paying attention. It was an incredible, groundbreaking communication that she was having. And over the next days, she began to ask more questions about who he was and what he understood. One of the questions that she asked, she didn't quite know how to frame it because at times he didn't seem to hear what was going on in the room. And she said, what type of tone of voice do you hear from your father and I? She was meaning the inflection of their voices and how much was getting through to his ear. But he responded and he said, a healing tone of voice. Incredible. She said, let me explore this a little more with you. What do you mean when you say a healing tone of voice? And he typed, like the voice of God. What an incredible family. I kept that article, friends, for 20 years. This is not the first time I've used this illustration in a sermon. Smile at that. <laughs> 20 years I kept that article and kept thinking about this relationship, the, the intensity of the relationship and the presence of God in that family. Two years ago, I couldn't stand it any longer. I got on the computer and searched the database for Seattle, Washington for a lady named Phoebe Wald. <laughs> and I came up with five and I started calling and finally found the mother of this son. And I called her and I said, I said to her, I just have to know how this story ended and she said oh it hasn't ended she says it's still very much in progress she said but I've got to tell you she said that there are a lot of questions about it she said this thing that we did began to be questioned by the media and in fact I was lambasted she said for believing that any kind of communication was going on. She said, they told me that it was like a Ouija board and that I was supporting his arm just enough to rest it on the correct keys. I said, well, is that the case? She said something very interesting. She said, I don't know. She said, I don't know. What came to me in conversation to say to her was, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whether he said it or whether you said it doesn't matter because it is incredibly clear that God is in your family. Do you get a sense in which God is with you in that way? 
I was in a store the other day, and there was a couple with a small child. And the father, I just got the end of this occurrence, but it was some small infraction. But the father reached over and swatted the tail end of the child. And the mother turned around to the father and said, Hit him harder. You didn't hit him hard enough. And I thought, quite a different scenario from the Wald family. (laughs) What is this child growing up with? In York, Pennsylvania, the Grace and Hope Mission has a neon sign just over their entryway that simply quotes... 1 John 4, God is love in order that all who come there will get the message. Do you think that anyone enters that place thinking they're going to be carted at the door for either how rich or poor they are or how smelly or clean they are or how young or old they are? No. Everyone is accepted in that place. God is love is their whole purpose in ministry. You and I are called to have that kind of spirit. To coach each other in that kind of spirit. To remind each other that this is the very nature of what Christ is all about. His spirit expressed to us so completely. I know they didn't mean anything by it. And I, I have some reservation about even mentioning it here, lest I be referring to a member of this congregation. <laughs> but I pulled up beside someone at the post office just this past week that had what seemingly was a pretty religious bumper sticker on the back of their car that said, Stop, drop, and roll will not work in hell. Have you seen that one? And it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does. It sounds pretty good. On the surface, on the surface it does. But the more I thought about that, the more I thought to myself, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get the nature of who God is. They don't get the nature of the profound way in which God is love. There's such judgment in that bumper sticker, in those words. What would Christ say about that? Well, I can tell you what Christ would say about it. He would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because that's his very nature. What do you do with your faith? God's love for all persons must become very specific. Very specific. We get in trouble by thinking to ourselves that we're just loving people in general. No, 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 no. You remember Mother Teresa, don't you? 
her precious life offered up to God was offered from person to person in need. Feeding the poor and dying in Calcutta. You know what she would say when people would go and ask her, what is it that we can do to become more like you and become more like Christ? You know what she would tell them, don't you? She would say, find your Calcutta. Isn't that great? Find your Calcutta. Find the specifics of the place where God is calling you to love people in such rich ways that that they realize that God turns away nobody. Nobody. His heart is always this heart of love. Okay, I, I know. I've read my Bible. I know that Proverbs 1, verse 7 states, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know that one, don't you? And I bet you've quoted it before. That's another one that sounds really religious, but it's interesting that John didn't quote that here. But I tell you what he did say. He said, perfect love casts out fear. This is not about threatening God. Threatening people with God. This is about training ourselves to be the loving arms of God, welcoming in those who cannot get the notion that God would love even them. Wesley said, This is the kind of love where everyone, whatever his opinions or mode of worship would be, purely because he is the child and bears the image of God, we would welcome them. Bigotry, he said, is properly the want of this pure and universal love. A bigot only loves those who embrace his opinions. I've got to think on this some more. Do you? The nature of who God is and what he's up to. I had someone say to me, since we've been here in Statesboro, I invited him to Pittman Park. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not sure I would be welcome there. And I said, come on. I'm the pastor. I welcome you there. <laughs> he said, it's not about Pittman Park. He, says, he said, it's about a lot of churches that we have visited that can't get over the idea of who we are. I'm not sure we would be welcome there. What does that mean? But it troubles me. Does it trouble you? It troubles me. And so it's good that we are invited today to a table. And let me remind you that everyone is invited to this table. That is the beautiful thing about God's invitation, is that it is to everyone to join together at this table. 
Even if you're not a member of this church, you're invited to come and to receive at this table. Let us share together in the Lord's blessings in this place.